crazy shit going on in D.C. That was weird, wasn't it? I deleted my personal Twitter account like a month ago. And since then, I haven't kept up with politics at all. But then out of nowhere, I just start seeing this craziness going on. And it was like, man, I has, has this like been building up? Was this expected? Or was this just completely out of the blue? I mean, before I deleted the Twitter, obviously Trump was, you know, saying it's rigged. It's He, he didn't lose and all that. And he was kind of, he was building the Kindle of which would have turned into what happened in D.C. for sure. But, yeah, I have not kept up with politics. But uh, that was weird. That was crazy. It it would have been interesting to see what the reaction would have been if if this was like BLM protesters other than Trump supporters. You know, because I saw the videos and... No one was, like, the cops, the enforcement state, they walked every rider out pretty softly. There there wasn't much aggression in terms of handling all the people who broke into the Capitol. It was weird. And, like, you could, there like, uh, NPR was showing videos of, how rioters in the streets were being handled by police compared to rioters at the Capitol. And you would think, if you're breaking into like government property, shouldn't there be a little more aggression? I don't know. It was just strange to see the reaction towards handling it. Like It was very different. But it, it, six days in the 2021 and we we kind of had high hopes like 2020 is finally over and now we got some dude dressed up like a like a manatee or whatever that one dude who broke in with the horn hat oh god it was so weird group think man that's what it is it, I bet it was like one person just planning this and there was maybe some Facebook group trying to get it together. Like, how did, like, where did this come from? Where, how do you plan this? That's, that's so weird. How do you get it together without, and, and accomplish it? Weren't, how they get past the police? Wasn't there like a, a line of police officers Blocking them from the Capitol. And they just... Just galloped in. They were taking pictures of statues. Like, they were acting like they're at Disneyland once they were inside the Capitol. It was so bizarre. It was... It was so weird. But, you know, like... A lot of them don't really give a shit about politics. I don't think they believe genuinely that they're fighting for some cause. 
that the election was rigged. I think it's just people are bored. They're looking for a cause. They want they want to feel important some way. This is why I'm not religious. Because <laughs> this is definitely like a type of religious thinking. Trump is their savior. And they're trying to avenge their savior. But there is no like political insight from these people. It's just emotional groupthink. It's so weird to like witness it. But yeah, <laughs> things are. Uh, at least life isn't boring, you know. There's always something going on. But at the same time, it gets exhausting. That's that's why I deleted my Twitter. Because it was just too much. People constantly arguing with each other. And, like, people that I respected. People that I do respect. Like Sam Harris. And who would be a good one? Mark Manson. Like, people I follow on Twitter that I respect, that are super smart people, very intelligent. But they, they too, get so easily sucked in to the Twitterverse, and they just have to engage. And I started noticing, I started realizing, like, if Sam Harris can't control his behavior on Twitter, no way I can. This dude is by far more intelligent than I am and he can't even he can't even grasp a simple discipline of just staying off Twitter he's smart you know like whatever he talks about on Twitter it's you know he's he always has something reasonable to say but just the need to have to say something maybe that's what this podcast is maybe it, this is my version of that, you know, Tw like I would sometimes get annoyed with certain Twitter users that are smart people, but they tweet things in a way where it seems like they're just trying to sound smart. And sure, what they're saying, I guess, is smart or intelligent, but it seems like they're not doing it to inform people. It just seems like they're doing it for themselves. Where Joe Rogan does this sometimes. A lot of people do. Like, they'll say things that would be obvious to a reasonable person. But they're saying it to their fans. So, like, they're not really changing minds. They're just repeating these talking points. That, yeah, I, I agree with it, but why do you feel the need to keep saying this? The people who are listening to you are people who already agree with you, for the most part. But it, it it's your, like, they intellectualize issues. Like, if they're criticizing uh, far-left people who are overt in their activism... 
and they they say things like you know like the best way to combat bad ideas is with good ideas you can't you, you shouldn't be trying to shut people up and a reasonable person i think would agree with that but like that doesn't solve the problem just because you keep saying it the issue keeps happening <laughs> like the people who you're criticizing they're not looking for debate no they're they're trying to win so there has to be some different way to get to them but you can't just intellectualize every topic it's not at some point it just it's not productive and i feel like a lot of people on twitter would do that and i would do it not saying i was saying anything smart or clever but in my head i might have been but you know like who like what why am i doing this for myself or do i feel like i really need to spread this information to other people or am I just doing it to, like, smell my own fart, you know? How the phrase goes. So I deleted my Twitter. I didn't want to really be involved in that kind of thinking. The, like, the kind of thinking that just isn't productive. It doesn't have any change. It's just you bitching, pretty much. That's what it comes down to. So I figured... If I'm not going to be actively trying to change the world instead of just complaining and trying to articulate it in a way that sounds smart, sure, but it's not doing anything, then I'm just wasting my breath. I, I'm exhausting myself. I'm filling my head with information that I won't be using in a constructive way so I deleted my Twitter and I just I would argue I got blocked by Dave Rubin I don't know if I mentioned that before I called him a grifter which I do believe he is a grifter but I just wanted to talk shit and he read it and blocked me <laughs> he has like a million something followers and he, he, he happened to catch my tweet of him but I still have my Twitter bots. I like that. I, I still want to be informed, and usually Twitter is kind of where I get my news. I, I like to follow separate, you know, like conservative articles and liberal, like the Daily Caller. The Daily Wire is more of a right-wing news outlet. And then you have CNN... And NBC, more like on the left wing. But, yeah, I'm trying to like be informed but not engage. If I'm not changing minds, then I'm not going to be engaging. But also, again, like, what is this podcast? Is this me? Is this like my own personal diary? Or is this me attempting to change someone's mind about something? I don't think it is because I'm not that political on here. I used to be a little on Facebook and Twitter, but they're both gone. I think it's maybe a mixture of both. 
I think I am a little pretentious and feel like I have ideas worth sharing. But that's that's a lot of writers out there who think that way. Or maybe not admitting it, but definitely feel it, think it. But I think this is mainly a diary. I hope I hope it is. This is like my little journal, auditory journal. But, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to criticize on what happened at the Capitol. Mainly because I'm just not informed. I know it was fueled by Trump's tweets and his accusations that the election was rigged. And there's no merit to it. It was just had no ground, but, you know, when you think, when you have a group, like every, every figure, every public figure is going to have, every public figure with a fan base, a small portion of that fan base is going to interpret your words in a very mystical way, <laughs> you know, like, I think it's safe to say 1% of any fan base is going to be a complete dipshit. 1%, you know? And that's probably a very generous number. But words really matter. And Trump is the kind of person... This isn't a political criticism. This is just the way someone speaks. You know, his words are very... There's, he doesn't use much nuance. He just he's he's he speaks very blatantly, which is a big part of his appeal, I suppose. But people take his words very seriously. The people who like him, and a small portion of the people who like him, they look at him. They they don't they may not acknowledge it or even realize it, but they're looking at him like a deity. That's how they're treating him. Trump could easily start a cult if he wanted to. A legit cult. I mean, you could say he kind of has a cult following now. He does have a cult following. Of course he has a cult following. They they just... He, he had people uh, siege the Capitol for him. That's a cult. Just because it's within the political realm, it doesn't make it not a cult. People still think in that way. Oh, it's so aggravating. But it's also interesting because I think like most of these people, they look like they were in their 30s and 40s. Like these were old people, oldish people. The BLM protesters, a lot of them were like in their 20s. Very young, which is, you know, you can kind of... Obviously, it doesn't justify the actions, but it makes it more understandable. You know, when you're young and naive and impressionable and you're looking for an identity, you're looking for some kind of meaning, some you're looking to create some value in your life. Your 20s is kind of when you do that, but when you're in your 40s and you're breaking windows, you, you're lost. <laughs> you're just... I think... I really think that's what that is. It's people... Who, I don't, I don't think these people are politically savvy. They just, they're just part of this group. They're part of this following, and they're fueled by emotions. And 
that goes the same for a lot of BLM protesters too. And the rioters. A lot of it is kind of just emotionally based. That's that's just what it is. There's there's not much, especially like when you're in a group doing this thing. Groups don't search for truth. Individuals search for truth. And you know, in theory, uh, groups they search for consensus. They're not looking for truth. They just they're looking for what everyone can agree on. And it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you can all agree on the same thing, you can... Oh, it is amazing what you can do in a group that you would never do as an individual. It's fascinating. That's something I really have been trying to like pay attention to uh, in myself when I'm in a group, when I'm in a crowd, I, I try to really pay attention to the way I am reacting to a situation based off of the energy around me. Because I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the last, in one of the few podcasts before, but everyone has a threshold. This is what Malcolm Gladwell talks about. A threshold in terms of what you'd be willing to do as you see other people doing it. So maybe for for someone for person A, maybe they if they see 10 people breaking windows and flipping cars, that's that maybe isn't enough for them to start doing it. But if they see 50 people Maybe that is their breaking point to where they join in. And for person B, maybe it's 100 people. But we all, we, we all have a number. I might even have a number. I definitely have to have a number, right? At some point, it ju- it's just peer pressure. Like, if the whole world was flipping cars <laughs> and breaking windows and I'm the only one not doing it, then I'm officially the weirdo. And then I'll be out the outcast and isolated. I don't know what my number is. I like to think it's... Well, shit. I guess it, it can vary too. Like Some people might even be writing to protect themselves. That could have been the case a lot, especially with the BLM protests, the riots, I guess you could say, Um, because there were people not doing anything and still getting the shit kicked out of them. I saw some horrific videos, particularly one guy who got kicked in the face, just a cheap shot from behind. He was on the ground. This dude came up and walloped him right in the temple, and... Oh, God, it was just... I hate seeing that shit. I'm not a fan. But, you know, if he if he was joining in on the chaos, would he have been better off protecting himself? That's, that's one factor. But, yeah, we all have a threshold. We all have some breaking point. And we all want to fit in, 
too. And sometimes acknowledging this isn't enough. You know, like this is a particular area in psychology where I, I try to really know more about, but I definitely have a breaking point. You know, they, they did this one test. I, I can't remember exactly how the test went, but basically there was, there was one guy who wasn't in on it. He, he had no clue that everyone else was uh, in on it. There was like he thought everyone else was just as random and off the street as he was. And they did this test where they were asking questions and they all had to give an answer. And like it's an obvious answer. Like uh how many they were it was just asking a question, like if you have two pairs and you give one away, how like just a an easy math thing where the obvious answer was like five or six, but they everyone was asking who thought the answer was six, which was the wrong answer. And everyone who knew, everyone who was in on the test, uh, they raised their hand. They raised their hand for the wrong answer. And the guy who wasn't in on it, he started like looking around and started doubting himself. So he raised his hand just to not come off as, like, wrong or isolated or dumb. So out of pressure, he raised his hand to the wrong answer. It was it was weird. But, like, we're all susceptible to that. And I would really like to know what my, what my number is. But at the same time, you know... If I'm trying to protect myself, if I happen to be driving through a crowd of rioters and they stop me, like I'm, like I physically can't even move my car because there's just so many in front of me, and they start like beating on my window or something, and all that nonsense for nothing, you know, I'm just some guy driving through, but I would do whatever I could to make myself appear as I'm part of the group. I might necessarily not believe in the cause or anything, but I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I don't get killed or injured or my car gets fucked up. I just want to get out of there and get away. But, yeah, things are weird lately. Group thing is is like one of the most powerful powerful things in the human psyche because you can take an otherwise rational person and make them do something they would never do on their own but because everyone else is doing it their brains are like oh i'm i'm justified i you know you have more reasoning to go against your own logic I saw that a lot during the BLM riots, and definitely, uh, and the thing with, like, rioting is that, you know, it, it may start off with some kind of meaning behind it, you know, we're all frustrated that George Floyd got murdered, but it eventually devolves into chaos, where it, it becomes disconnected from its original purpose, and people 
from outside of the cause, people who initially weren't really going to be a part of it, they suddenly have a green light to come and start breaking windows as well. So people not even involved in the cause come in. And it just turns into nothing. Just a movement without a cause. And that's why a lot of change never occurs whenever violence like this happens. Because it just becomes unnecessary and no, no, there's no message. There's no organization. It's just people breaking shit. You need organization if you want to really change policy. You can't just go out and hope for the best by breaking windows and beating up people who pass by. <sighs> America's going to fail. <laughs> it's like a gut feeling I have. All empires fall. and But most empires never fall from some outside threat. It's always from within. The people attack each other. That's, that's an area I would like to know more about. Why nations fail and rise. But we're, we're like in a value crisis right now. We're struggling to find new values for ourselves. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of these protests and rights are so overt. Like, they're very severe. And, <clears throat> and why there's a lot of emphasis on things like gender identity when there wasn't really any emphasis at all on it 20 years ago. Robert Greene was talking about this in his book, The Laws of Human Nature, where you can kind of break off history in four acts. Like, history tends to repeat itself every four generations. So that's about roughly, what, every 60, 70 years? But every generation sort of has a, a way about them. Where the first generation... Oh, man. Should I, should I get the book? Because it's a, it's a solid thing. But basically, the first generation has this newfound values and that goes on for a while the second generation is sort of echoing off of the first generation not not too involved but still kind of like you know i mean i need to i need to read it i don't want to butcher this because it's a very interesting point but basically my generation the millennials, we're the crisis generation, which is the last generation before the pattern repeats itself. And the reason we're considered the crisis generation is because we're so disconnected from the original values founded by the first generation that we're, we're going through this period of looking for new values. And whenever you're in this identity crisis things get kind of violent they get kind of extreme and it's a lead up to a revolution revolution is a very loaded word you know 
I don't I don't want to say it's like some big like French Revolution or the American Revolution, but a generational revolution where new values are are established because because the last generation was just freaking out going through this crisis out on the streets being terribly violent and irrational and we put a lot of emphasis on things that are very vague and obscure and we get irritated when older generations don't follow suit and then the first generation comes back the once the pattern repeats itself and it's more of a revolutionary type where new values are then established and then you know the pattern repeats itself the third generation i didn't mention that one is more they're more focused on building things creating things not really they're not really concerned about it's like uh, maintaining the old values, and they're not really too concerned about creating new ones. They're just more about building things, focusing. And then the fourth one comes along, and things get more chaotic. I really don't want to butcher that because it's a very interesting observation. That's kind of the 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 gist. But next time, if I get if I remind myself, I'll I'll try to read from the actual page where he talks about this. Oh, but yeah, this is why I don't really go too deep into politics because I it's one of those areas where when I'm talking about it, I I'm very uncertain with my words like. I, I'm I'm never a hundred percent confident with what I'm saying, and I can feel it as I'm saying it. So I try to be really careful, and if I do say something, I try to make sure that you know that I'm not an expert at these things, and that I'm possibly butchering it, and that I maybe should really go back and read what I read and all those things. So if Whenever I get that feeling of uncertainty, I mean, most of what I talk about, I'm pretty uncertain, but especially with things like politics, it's more, it's more so where it's, it's a lot more noticeable in myself. So I try to be extra careful. I mean, not really extra. I try to be careful in the sense that I let you know that I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I still say the things as we all do. But, yeah, things are weird right now. We're definitely the crisis generation. There's going to be some change. I don't know what, but it feels like we're going through a transition period right now. And it's very unpredictable. There's, there's just too much happening all at once. But the tension, you know, there's always been tension. I thought there wasn't really much tension after I deleted my Twitter. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe it's really just within the Twitter world and the Facebook world where all this tension exists. But, like, almost everyone is on those sites engaging. Not 
man, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people, that's where you go and engage, and most people are on those things, so if they're not engaging, they're still kind of watching it happen, but yeah, I, I didn't think there was much tension once I deleted my Twitter. I was like, oh, maybe it was just an illusion because I was just engaging on Twitter and just watching all these videos happen, but I mean, I guess it is a small percentage of people who are actually being violent and out on the streets, but but it's the small percentage that actually has a great impact on policies that get made. And that's a concern. But, like, the news still gets to me. Like, it still reaches, it finds me, even after I stop engaging in it for a month. So, there is some tension. I would say most people are pretty apolitical, though. I think most people don't really give a shit about one or two things. They just want to go to work, eat their filet of fish from McDonald's and just go to bed. And that's fair. Yeah, more power to you. But I think it's the same thing for people like these these people who went to the Capitol or people who were out on the streets during the BLM riots. I feel like a good portion of these people are really not politically minded people. They just get caught up in the group. They get caught up in this wave of energy. And suddenly, there's adrenaline going through them, you know? It feels... It's fun. It's fun to them. It's not... It's almost never really about some cause. It's just really fun. Like, even being angry. Being angry on Twitter. And engaging in all this nonsense. It's fun. It's addicting. We don't call it fun. We don't describe it like that, but that's what it is. You know, it's very stimulating. We're getting something out of it. It's a little dopamine rush. And when you're flipping fucking cars and lighting shit on fire, that's got to be even more so. Like, it's just fun for people. We like chaos, in a sense. But we just don't articulate it that way. It's never expressed as being fun. We think we're we're changing the world, but really we're just selfish and want to have some fun. Obviously there's some people who who really want change. And maybe they're the ones who really were good at organizing movements and really got the ball rolling, but then shitheads come in and take over and there's it's probably far more shitheads than there are people who genuinely care about the future. Shitheads will always win. And the more we procreate, the more they double and triple and quadruple. And the shitheads will rule the world. We will have our own idiocracy. That's a great movie. It's just, it's just hilarious. Like, I was, you ever, have you been hearing about that KFC console? There's this new gaming console from KFC where you can play video games, but also warm your chicken. There's a little department where you put food in and keep it warm. 
But as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is straight from Idiocracy. This would be something you would see in that movie where they're making fun of future people who are idiots. Like, oh, you can play video games and you can warm your chicken. It's genius. Like, it seems like that's where we're heading. But it's so small and incremental, we don't even notice it. Again, I'm 25. I don't know much about the world. I have very little wisdom accumulated from these short years. That being said, you know, like the things I I believe now, I don't know if I'll believe them in a year or two or five years or ten years. Um, but that's okay. As long as I address that, well, like keep you, let you know that what things I am expressing now, they're, they're not necessarily going to be something I think about in a year. And maybe I'll come back and listen to this episode and be like, oh my God, I was so pretentious. I was so up my ass and I felt so confident. In my words. But yeah. I think I did like 20-30 minutes now. So yeah. Uh, it's the same day as the last episode. So I haven't made a decision on whether I'm going to live in my car or not. I'm just not going to address it. I'm just going to keep recording certain topics. And if something comes up, I'll let you know. But yeah, I, I'm trying to catch up on recordings. I don't want to get too far behind where I feel pressure to make one each day. So I'm trying to make a couple, like a couple episodes a day and just let it accumulate. But yeah, good talk. I'm definitely not going to listen to this one again because there were some areas where I did not feel much confidence in what I was saying. I apologize. I'm sorry I say things that sometimes I'm not 100% confident with, but I will let you know. If I'm, I'm okay, like I said before, if I'm never 100% confident in pretty much anything I say. But if it's, I, I can be 80% confident and not have to feel like I need to tell you that I'm 80% confident. But if I'm like 40 to 50%, that's when I'm going to let you know that I, you know, who knows what I know. <clears throat> I don't know much. I, you know, I'm kind of just reading shit and trying to form an opinion or maybe adopting someone else's opinion who's a lot smarter than me. You know, we're, we tend to do that. I'll let you know. But yeah. All right. Good talk. See you guys. Bye.